I really like chocolate. You know, it's hard to get up and preach after, some, after 15 people have preached. It's like, what do I have to say? You know, Lord, you said it already, and um, <clears throat> what a struggle sitting there listening to everybody. Uh, I don't mean a struggle listening to you. I mean a struggle in thinking to myself that I have to come up after and, and, and talk, and it's 11.34. That's okay, that's okay. God knows how to condense, right? What he, he knows how to say what he needs to say in the amount of not time he needs to take to say it, and he knows what to make me blind to not see in the notes, and uh, he knows how to silence my voice when he needs it to be silenced, so what I don't need to say won't be said. And, uh, but how great is our God? How great is our God. I am coming at you this morning from a different perspective on the grace of God and the wonders of his love towards us and, um, and just the, the measure <clears throat> that you walked through this morning. And in Ezekiel 16, 62, it says, I will establish my covenant with you and you shall know that I am the Lord. I will establish my covenant with you and you shall know that I am the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I just come before you now and I pray that, Lord, you would just grab a hold of my tongue, my thoughts, and everything that is within me, that, Lord, the Spirit of the living God would speak and, and have preeminence within this place, O oh Lord. I bind every distraction of the enemy that would come to distract our thoughts, that would come to rob, steal the word as it is going forth, and in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would be glorified glorified in this house in your name I pray amen amen and so we heard some beautiful testimonies this morning we heard some some powerful moments that each of you had experienced in your travel in coming to know the Lord I came to know the Lord when I was 10 years old in Sunday school somehow in Sunday school I felt convicted of my sins I don't even know what sins I had as a 10 year old but suffice to say I had sins maybe I lied I don't know maybe I did something disobedient with my parents but suffice to say, I felt that I needed a savior. And so right there in Sunday school class, I knelt down on the little wooden chair and I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my heart. It wasn't until I was 13 that I then obeyed the Lord in water baptism and it wasn't a glorious tank like we have here. No, the building was very, very old that we had as a church, and the tank that we had was probably older than the building. I don't know if they went to the wreckage and got this aluminum and, and made shift a, a, a baptism tank, but it was old. When you got in, it, it, it creaked, and, and so old, downstairs in the basement of the church. Did I tell this story to y'all before? It doesn't matter if I did, just hear it again. Humor me. Downstairs in the basement of the church, underneath the portion of the baptism tank, they got this um, big round post, and they 
fastened it underneath every time we had a baptism to hold the floor, the ceiling, which was the floor on the tank that we got in. And I tell you, you got in on a hope and a prayer. Lord, if I go down, I know you're going to take me up. And so (laughs) if you really had to know you were saved to trust yourself to get into the baptism tank at that time, because I mean a hope and a prayer that a pole was holding you up, nonetheless got in that tank and it was cold. We didn't have heated water in our tank. It was a hose that went in. Not a hose, it was like just, oh, a copper pipe that whatever it was cold 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 so you got in you said your testimony as fast as you could not because you were nervous but because you were cold and 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 then uh you went down under the waters and i tell you if um if you had any doubt of your sins being gone they were frozen in time in that tank because it was so cold. You got out and you were shaking and it wasn't the power of God. It was just because it was cold. I got baptized in the month of February and so uh, I remember that. I remember that. You need to have a good baptism story so that you can have something to tell people. Something to tell people. And so today we're looking at Ezekiel chapter 16 because um, I overheard Pastor Dino last Sunday. I was uh, just setting up for the children's ministry. I overheard him say, and Pastor Melody's going to preach on baptism. And I was like, (laughs) but what he meant was she's going to allude to it. I know, I learned afterwards. I was like, Pastor, you actually want me to? And he's, anyways. Ezekiel 16 is what the Lord dropped in my heart because I said, Lord, what would you have me to share? What would you have me to share to the people? And, and um, Ezekiel 16, that's exactly how it came to me, just Ezekiel 16. And, I, and I, as I thought about it, I says, you know, that's kind of a hard thing to tell people. But you know what? We need to hear it today because your testimony, there may be someone here, and I believe there is. I believe that there is, though, one or two that is on the balance. You come to church, but there is not a church within you. You sing, but your heart is not singing. And so let's read verses 1 to 8, and it says, Again, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations, and say, Thus says the Lord God to, it, to Jerusalem, Your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. And as for your birth on the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. No, I pitied you to do any of these fit things to you out of compassion for you, but you were cast out on the open field, for you were abhorred on the day that you were born. And when I passed by and saw you wallowing in your blood, I said to you in your blood, live. I said to you in your blood, live. And I made you flourish like a plant of the field, and you grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, and yet 
you were naked and bare. And when I passed by you again and I saw you, behold, you were at the age for love, and I spread the corner of my garment over you, and I covered your nakedness, and I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord, and you became mine. And you became mine. Baptism, an outward expression of an inward experience. What is that inward experience? That moment where you chose to follow Jesus and say to him, Lord, you've saved me, you've healed me, you've delivered me, but now, Lord, I want to take that step further. I want to make that outward expression to others that are watching, others that are witnessing, the inward experience of what I have encountered with you. I want the world to know of the washing and the cleansing that you have done in my life. I want the world to know that, God, I am indeed yours. That when you called out to me and you said to me, live, I believed those words and I chose to live with you. Baptism is not something that we do as an ordinance of the church and that you may gain membership now that you're baptized, you're a member of Logos Church. No. Baptism is not that. Baptism also will not gain you entrance into heaven. Baptism is not something that you could do so that should you die and, or should the Lord come, you will go to heaven. Baptism is an obedient step in following the Lord. Jesus was baptized. If baptism was a means to get to heaven, then where would the thief on the cross be? When he said to the Lord, today would you remember me in paradise of Luke chapter 23? And the Lord said to him today, actually, he said, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And the Lord said, today you will be with me in paradise. Did that thief have time to come off the cross to be baptized? He did not have time. The, the, the baptism is not your entrance into the kingdom of God. The baptism is your obedience to what God has done in your life. So... What is your testimony? What do you recall of the day you were baptized? What do you have to share of what the Lord did in your life? Your baptism is a testimony of what God did in, within you. So what does God call, call of us then? What does he expect of us as children of God? He expects our faithfulness. The Lord saw her. And this picture that I just read to you of Ezekiel 1 through 8 is a picture of Israel, Israel his bride. And when he saw her, he saw her rejected and tossed aside. I saw you wallowing in your blood. I saw you a mess. And I said to you, live. He, he rescued that newborn child and he spoke into that newborn child, and he said, live. Why? Because this was to be the picture of God and his bride, Christ and his bride, Christ and the church. That's what Israel is, a picture of Christ and the church, and how Christ has 
taken his bride and made a covenant with her. You know, when a young man and young woman, it's, it's cool. Well, we, we have a, a, a couple that's engaged that got baptized. He says two weeks after committing his life to Christ, he met Cassandra. And all of a sudden, in his testimony, his face lit up. What, what do you think that was that made his face light up? It was the love in his heart for her. What happens when a young man and a young woman fall in love? Apparently. <laughs> uh, somebody's phone answered, Siri. You know, Google does that to me at home. She talks to me when I'm not even talk to her, talking to her, and I tell her, you just shut up. Because <laughs> otherwise, either I'm going crazy or like, where is this voice coming from? <laughs> so for, souls of that, <laughs> for those that didn't hear it, that's okay. God deafened you, but. <laughs> so if a young man, a young woman falls in love and they go before the altar and they make vows to each other. And on that day when they make a vow to each other, the vows would go something of the fact, I will take you for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, for good days and for bad days. I will promise that I'm going to be faithful to you. I promise that I will be honest to you. I will respect you. I will trust you. I will help you. I will care for you. I will cover you in prayer, and I will walk with you. And we think, wow, such nice vows. Nowadays, young people are, are being all so creative and not saying their vows. And, oh, we're going to write our own little story to each other. And that's beautiful, too. But something is beautiful about the vows because it reminds, of, reminds us of the covenant that God made. That I will cover you. I will walk with you. I will be with you in your bad days. I will be with you in your good days. I will not leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I will be that husband to you because you are my bride because I chose you and so the Lord saw Israel in her mess cast aside and bleeding and no one gave interest to her no one cared about her no one even thought anything of her and you know what? Today the Lord has seen you in your mess. The Lord has seen you when others have rejected you. The Lord has seen you when nobody cared about you. The Lord has seen you when you were down and out, when you were in the pit of despair, when you reached for that next hit of drugs, when you reached for that bottle. The Lord was with you when you were vomiting in your drunken state. The Lord was with you and he sees you and he is saying to you that he is calling you out. When he saw Israel in her castaway state, in her blood-stricken state, and nobody reached out for her, nobody lifted her up, nobody swaddled her and rubbed her and cleansed her from all that the birth had left behind, the Lord saw her. And when he passed by her and wallowing in that blood state, left to left to die he said to her live live and when he sees you in that drug state when he sees you in that despair when you want to take your life into your own hands he sees you in that wallowing and he says live live 
So Israel was set to die. You and I have been set to die because of the fallen nature of sin. But God looks upon us and he says, I've made a vow with you. I've entered into a covenant with you, verse 8. And when I've entered into that covenant with you, I said, you became mine. You belong to God. When you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you made that public confession, when you made that personal confession in your bedroom, in your car, in the shower, and you felt the love of God cascade over you, it was because he was entering into covenant with you and as you called out to him, God said to Jerusalem, when you were born, no one was there to even wash you, but I was there. I was there to wash you, Israel. I was there to to be your covering. In fact, I spread my covering over you. I spread the corner of my my, my garment over you so that I can cover your nakedness. Because when we are naked, it reveals everything about us. And so the Lord came to be that covering for her. That garment, when he says, I spread my covering over you, it brings us to a place. It's the Hebrew word shul, S-H. And in that Hebrew word, it brings us to the place of Isaiah 6. And we spoke on this in July where it says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And what happened? The train of his robe filled the temple. The train of his robe filled the temple. That word train right there is the Hebrew word shul. That signifies God's authority. His authority went out. And so when his authority went out, when he spoke to Israel... And he said to her, I am covering you. I spread the corner of my garment over you. He is speaking of his authority, of his mantle, of his protection. He is covering her in every sense. The woman with the issue of blood, what did she do? She reached for the corner of the Lord's Garment, the corner of his robe. Why? Because she was making connection with the power and the authority that lied within Christ. Because what was going to happen to her when she made connection with that power and authority? Everything within her body would come in alignment. Why? Because he is the one who has created you. He is the one who formed you in your mother's womb. He is the one who knit intricately knit you together and so when she made connection and there was that power exchange from the throne room of God from the body of Christ into her mortal body and she became well when we make connection with the Lord Jesus Christ he heals every part that one part that was once committed to drugs that one part that was dependent upon alcohol that one part that was just lost into sexual immorality he comes to heal and to fix to bond together and his covering goes over all of that nakedness and he says you were once 
in subjection to the ruler of this world. You were once in subjection to this world's ways. Oh, you're, you're down, you're discouraged? I got a fix for that. Oh, you've lost hope? I got a bottle for that. You feeling of unloved? There's men lined up, there's women lined up. But God says this, no, no, no. No more are you bound to the authority of this world. No more are you bound by the, by the enemy's attraction. No more is that magnetic pull going to pull you because I am going to cover you with my garment. I'm going to cover all of your nakedness and my mantle will be upon you and I will be the authority in your life. Why? Because he said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I made a vow to you and I entered into covenant with you, said the Lord. I put sandals on your feet and I wrapped you in fine linens, verse 10. Then I, verse 9, then I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil. I clothed you also with embroidered cloth and shod you with the fine leather. I wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk and I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. And I put a ring on your nose and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. Oh, she was lost in that blood state. She was cast aside, left to die. And that's what the enemy wants to do in your life. He wants to attract you with the worldly systems so that you buy into it. And no sooner you are a player on his field, he leaves you to die. He leaves you to die. Oh, it's okay once upon a time. Oh, I've, uh, oh, oh I'm, go- I'm going I'm to go back to the church. For now, I'm, I'm just enjoying this. My friends, oh, and, and you're all caught up with the attraction of it all. But he has left you to die. He's put sandals on your feet. He wrapped you in fine linen. What does Isaiah 118 says? It says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Psalm 31 verse 7, I will be glad and rejoice in your what? Unfailing love for what you have seen my troubles and you cared about my anguished soul. Yes, he cared about Israel. He cared about her soul. He, ca- he loved her as his bride and he was not going to leave her abandoned. There may not have been joy in the birthing room of Israel. There may not have been a hallelujah party, but he poured out his love upon her and he anointed her so that she would become beautiful. Why would the Lord go to such great lengths to show Jerusalem his love? I'll tell you. Because 1 Peter 
2 and 9 says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people what? For his own possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into light. He set Israel aside. He has set you aside because you are a royal priesthood. You have been chosen. You did not choose him. He chose you according to John. Chapter 14, I believe it is. He, you did not choose him. He chose you. Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 and 7 says, For you are people holy to God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it's not because you were more in number than any of the other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. And if you go into that chapter of of, uh, Deuteronomy, it even goes on to say what? But it is because the Lord loves you, verse 8. That's why he chose you, because he loves you that's why you're here today that's why you got baptized because you believed in the love that he expressed towards you and you chose to surrender your life to you and what does it go on to say that the lord has brought you out with what a mighty hand and has redeemed you You've been bought with a price. That price was the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not just some exchange. Okay, I'll give you a chocolate if you give me a piece of gum. That's what the children do on the play play yard at school. But no, Jesus has redeemed you with the precious blood. God who keeps covenant. Verse 9 continues of Deuteronomy 7 with those who love him and keep his commandments to what? A thousand generations. That is a covenant that goes on and on and on because those thousand generations never cease to end until the end of time. And so as long as there's a generation, there's a covenant-keeping God. Some of you may be in the same place today, wondering, God, what did you redeem me for? God, what is my purpose in life? Ephesians 1, 3 and 4 4 says, Blessed be the God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him. When? Before the foundations of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. He chose you so that you would be holy and blameless, so that you wouldn't have to carry that weight of guilt, so that you wouldn't have to carry that, that rejected feeling, because you were not rejected by him. The world rejects, but God claims you to himself. He calls you to himself. But something happened with Israel. She grew, and she was beautiful, and she became the bride to God, and 
he adorned her with all of his jewels and he and he anointed her and she continued to grow in him but something happened and it happens to you she forgot she forgot all that god had done to her all that God had done for her, she forgot. And she began to trust in this royalty that she was. You see, she believed that she was chosen. She believed that she was royalty. But she forgot the goodness of God. And then she began to play the whore. Oh, sounds like a strong word. But when we dance with God and dance with the world, we are horroring ourselves. And she forgot of the beautiful jewels that he had put on her to demonstrate his love towards her. And she took those jewels and what did she do? She made images of them. And she began to worship those images. You go on and you read when you get home today, Ezekiel chapter 16. It's, it's concerning with what Israel had done. And she laid the, the oil that he used to anoint her with, she laid it before these, sac- these, these idols as an incense before them, as a form of worship to these idols, forgetting what God had done. Let me ask you this. What is the idol in your life that has replaced God? Is it your job? Is it your pursuit of success? Is it your pursuit to show everybody how successful you are? And oh, you say yes, but it's because of God. Oh, but you have not worshiped him. You've taken the gifts and the talents that he's deposited within you and you've put them all into building your success. But you haven't recognized God. You haven't taken time to worship God. You haven't taken time to, to set aside an hour of worship with him and You've become a horror of your time. What else did she do? She sacrificed her sons and daughters. In all of her horroring, horroring, she didn't remember the days of her youth when the Lord had redeemed her and called her out and set her out. Revelations gives an example of this in the church of Ephesus. I know your works, Revelations 2 your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. Oh, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary but I have this against you that you've abandoned the love you had at first. Oh, you can call out, that's not an apostle. Oh, you can call it all out but you've abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. See, the world says, if you want success, this is what you have to do. The world says, if you want to look a certain way, this is how you have to dress. The world says, 
If you want nice this and nice that, this is a remedy, this is a formula. And so we all fall into the formula of the world and before we know it, we have come so far removed from our first love of seeking God. She sold herself and all that the Lord had bestowed upon her because she did not remember what he had done for her. What about you? What pleasure are you living for? What wants and desires are you seeking after? Oh, it's okay. If I don't make it to church today, I'll just catch a sermon online. It's okay. It's been a busy week. God understands. Yes, he does. But set apart a time for him. Set apart a time to worship him. She played the harlot because God was no longer her first love. Jeremiah 2 and 2 responds to it this way. The word of the Lord came to me saying, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not shown. I remembered your devotion as a youth. I remembered when you followed me in the wilderness, the wilderness showing us a place of desolation, the wilderness showing us a place when they were once very dependent upon him. And now all of a sudden, it's okay. I have my security I have my job, I have my car, I have my family, my 2.5 kids. I have what society deems is necessary to be that person that is called success. It's okay, God, you got me this far. I'm thankful for that, but I'm doing well on my own now. And God says, but I remember. I remember when you were in the wilderness and you followed me. I remembered when you didn't know where you were going. I remembered when you were wondering, does anybody love me? I remembered when I saw you the first time my eyes laid hold of you and you were there wallowing in your blood and I reached down and I picked you up and I rubbed the body and I took my salts to it and I cleansed you. I remember you, Israel, when you were in that place. But Israel, where? Where are you now? Where are you now? How should we respond to the Lord's love? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Deuteronomy 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Going down into this chapter, verse 12 says, do not forget by following other gods. Oh, maybe we don't have a statue today. Brother Raj, you said of the many gods of the Hindus that you were introduced to. Oh, maybe in North America, we don't have the many gods, but we have gods. Oh, sometime our tablet is our God. Sometime our computer is our God. We spend more time on our computer surfing the web than we do reading our word. Oh, don't be confused just because we don't have those kind of idols. We have other ones that can be even more damaging 
Don't forget. How do we respond to the Lord? We love him with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. Back down, keep going, verse 12. We don't forget him by following other gods. What else do we do? We fear God, not in a sense of timidity, but in a sense of reverential fear. We recognize that when we surrendered our life to him, we surrendered the authority of who we were to him. Therefore, in reverence to that authority in my life, I will choose to not do certain things because they would be a disgrace to him. They would be a disgrace to the name of who he has declared me to be, child of God. Verse 15, why would we want to remain connected to him? Why would we want to fear him? Why would we want to remember all that he has done with us? Why would we want to serve him with all our heart, soul, and mind? Because he is a jealous God. Think of your spouse. If anybody made a move on your spouse, that's a whole other story. Think of your children as parents. If anybody were to move in on their life and replace you somehow in their life, would not that parental jealousy rise up? Hey, what's going on here? Our God is a jealous God. He's not going to share us with someone else. He wants our full attention. Mark 12 and 30 And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and what with all your strength. God must be your all in all. He must be the preeminence of your life. Can you today say, as the psalmist said in Psalm 73, verse 6, He is my portion. The only reason why you're here today is because the Lord saw you. The only reason why you're sitting in a church today is because the Lord saw you. You were a mess, and he saw your nakedness. Oh, you were able to cover it to others, but he saw you. And he knows the work that he has done in you. And you know you're sitting on the fence. You have played the church part so long, you've played it long enough that you are even convinced of yourself. And God is saying, no, no, no. Wake up. Wake up. It's time to return to your first love. It's time to return to me. It's time to awaken. You've been given other things... Too much of attention that should be given to me. You've been chasing the wrong pursuit. You've been given to the wrong ideas. Today I'm calling out to you, son, daughter, as you watch those walk in the waters of baptism, I'm calling out to you and I'm saying to you, do you remember the day you were baptized? Do you remember the day you chose to to follow me and to believe in me with all of your heart? Do you remember the day you believed that I was your only savior? 
and you cried out to me, Jesus, save me. I'm calling out to you that is sitting in the pew, to you that has become lukewarm. Return to your first love. Return to your first love. Stop playing church. I'm calling out to you that is watching on the net, on YouTube, on Facebook, and I'm saying get out of your home and come to church. Fellowship. Fellowship with me. Oh, I can do that at home. Yes, you can. But I'm calling you out. Don't forsake the assembling with those. You know what you miss out when you succumb to church online and the congregation online you miss out to hey god bless you how's it going good how you doing yeah you know let me pray for you you miss out on that you miss out on the encouragement you miss out on somebody noticing something is different what's going on can i pray for you You miss out on the fellowship of the saints. Yes, we can watch church online. Yes, we all had to do it for a period of time. But it's time to come out from that. Return to your first love. Return to your first love. I want to make that appeal today before we close and call the baptism candidates up for their certificate. Who is God speaking to today? Whose heart is recognizing that, God, that's me. I've been playing the church member without the heart that is engaged with you. I've come and I've treated church services like my punch clock. I've done my time, punch in, punch out. God, that's me. God, today I'm the one that has to return to you. God, today I'm the one who is guilty of horroring my love with the world and forsaken the remembrance of all that you have done for me. Brother, never forget how he delivered you from drugs. Sister, never forget that he delivered you from alcohol. Don't forget the day he reached out and he picked you up and he cleaned you. And he looked at you and he said, you are mine. You're mine. You're mine. Nobody else can pay the price that I have paid for you. Nobody else. Nobody else deserves you. Nobody else has done what I have done. I have given my one and only son for you. I watched my son die upon a cross. I watched him beaten. I watched him be spit upon. I watched how they mocked him. I watched my son bleed out. 
I heard the sound of my son breathe his last breath. And you want to dance with the world. And you want to become that person of what? For the sake of not remembering what I have done for you. I felt the pain of when my son and I were separated because of the sin of you that he bore upon him. Oh, my daughter, my son, would you not return to me today? I want to be your first love. I want to be your forever love. Because you are mine. You're mine. I've redeemed you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I chose you. I chose you. You need to hear it, daughter. You need to hear it, son. I chose you. I have redeemed you. You are mine. You've been bought with a price. You're mine. You're mine. You're mine. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We give you the praise this morning. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. We thank you, O oh God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Forgive us, O oh God, of our shortcomings. Forgive us, O oh God, of whoring in our ways, O oh Lord. Spirit of the living God, move right now upon every chair, upon every pew, upon every life. And Spirit of the living God, only you know. Only you know who you are calling home today. Only you know the prodigal that sits here, O oh God, with the mask of Christianity. Oh God, touch, touch right now every heart, every mind, oh God. Move, Jesus, move, oh God. Oh God, we don't want a baptism service if it means we leave here the same. Lord, we want to enter into that place of transformation. We want to enter into that dead man entering the waters and coming out a new man alive. God, have your way in this house. Have your way in this house in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Just before pastor comes, who this morning, it's a hard thing to ask because sometimes we don't want to raise our hand, least somebody judge us, but you leave that judgment to them. God knows how to handle them. Who in this house would say, Lord, I need to set my life straight with you. Lord, I've been guilty of that horroring. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask for just one more step of bravery. 
would you make the very long walk down that short aisle? Make that public confession, God, that's me. I'm that one that needs to come back to you. I'm that one that's been horroring away from you. Lord, I don't care what people think of me as I do it. I'm going to do it because you did greater for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Who would be willing to say, it's me, God. I need to live for you. I know that there's another. I know that there's another because the battle is raging within you. You really want to surrender into God. But fear has got such a strong hold on you right now. It's holding you weighted to the pew. But I want to encourage you this. If you stand up, the Lord will bring you to the altar. No weight of the enemy could keep you nailed to that pew. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you that have come forward, I don't know your individual states or what God is speaking to you most about, but I do know this. The greatest decision you've made today and, and going forward is this one to acknowledge that you need a savior, to acknowledge that the way you've been living and how you've been living is wrong. And God today saw you. And he's decided to pick you up, dear daughter, and to wash you. He's decided to pick you up, dear son, and to rub off the vernix of your birth so that he can make you whole in him. Father God, I pray for these individuals that have come forward. And I ask the five of you that you would pray in your heart, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, set me free. Deliver me. Lord, you know the bondage of sin I am held to. Deliver me in the name of Jesus. Be my Savior. And today, I will live for you. And going forward, I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 After the service, if you want to connect with us, we'll give you a Bible. And... Um, We'll connect you with uh, some programs that are in the church. So thank you for coming forward.